Welcome to Comedians Talking Sports. I'm your host, Joe Kilgallen. Today is Wednesday, March 9th, 2016. A lot of fun stuff to talk about. Uh, I got to give a couple shout outs before we get into it today. Uh, thank you to all the listeners, everyone who's reviewed us on iTunes, given us that five-star rating, because we are now on the Who's Hot section of the sports and uh, recreation part of the iTunes podcast directory, I guess you could call it that. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for that. So just you know, tell your friends, the more reviews, the better, and I'm still doing that promotion. You write a glowing review. It's got to be glowing now. That's that's key there. Glowing review of the podcast. Five stars, of course. And you show it to me, like you tweeted at me or whatever, at Joe Kilgallen, real easy. I will send you a signed copy of my album, Pay Attention, that was number one on the iTunes comedy charts uh, for two whole days. About 47 hours, I believe I counted. And uh, you'll get that for free. I'm, I'm spending about two bucks at the post office for you, and I know people don't listen to CDs anymore, but then you could upload it to your computer. It's in your iTunes. It saves you the nine ninety nine you would have bought anyway. All right, beautiful. Um, we got uh, a good one of uh, a guy I became fast friends with out here in LA as the guest today. A great comedian, writer for the Comedy Central show Idiot Sitter. He also is the co-host of an incredibly popular podcast that I can't recommend enough called The Dollop. Gareth Reynolds, how are you, buddy? Good hi. to see you. Hi, hi everybody. Hi, Joe. Hey, man. Um, I normally get to know you a little bit better. Sure. Give, you, give the listeners a little bit about what Gareth's all about. Sure. But I kind of want to do this Jeopardy style. Okay. You know, in Jeopardy, they just go right to the questions. Yeah. Not that I'm going to be grilling you or anything. No, like well, that. because yeah, right. You know, they, they go right to the game show part yeah. of it. Hook them. Yeah. There you go. Hook them. Then after the commercial break. Uh, so wait, are you saying that I'm the Jeopardy stories you, of the show? You are. You're, I'm the worst you're, part of Jeopardy. No, well, no, you're. <laughs> I'm gonna stri- I'm gonna make it fun. I'm not a I'm not a boring okay. not a boring piece of shit like Trebek. Like we no, all know he true. is. No, no. I just want to get this off my chest right away because I have a feeling this is gonna consume the whole podcast if I don't get it out there. Uh, this past Saturday night, again, again, I got into it with some people on social media, and I was I was really just being a poor sport in the sense that I was mad that my guy lost. McGregor's your guy. McGregor's my guy. So right. we're going to talk about McGregor Diaz a little bit here. I got. I just got to get this off my chest. I'm going to be talking through my teeth soon. Gets me angered. Um, McGregor lost, okay? McGregor's a notorious shit talker. He's notorious. That's this whole thing. He uh, was running his mouth like he typically does, which I think is good entertainment. Everyone acts like it's so, so disrespectful. I'm like, if you never – boxing ufc have you not paid wrestling? attention to all this wrestling this is what it is it's show you're facing somebody that's where wrestling got it from because the boxers were such huge shit talkers yeah boxers even in the 18 to 90s doing their irish fighting irish yeah. style put up your dukes <laughs> yeah they were talking shit they put up like, your hands you wet blanket yes yeah. you fucking you know you know doing all that stuff right yeah. so i don't like i get annoyed when these people act like it's new and i get it you hate him so when he falls on his face you love it but don't act like he got his fucking ass kicked he opened up Diaz, big time early on. He controlled the first period. Second period, he took a shot. He fucked up. He made that mistake. He shouldn't have tried to wrestle with him. The jiu-jitsu took over from Diaz. I just don't understand why everyone's all pro-Diaz all of a sudden because the guy clearly is an idiot who can't read. He's probably a criminal, right? He's that dude that will, you know, you, you will not leave your sister alone around him at a party. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to venture and say that. God, no. Actually, he might be a really nice guy. I'm just really fucking pissed. Dude, I like McGregor. Yeah. Mainly because my Facebook feed, they know they know to put the post oh. of the anti-McGregor post right, right. there for you. And, I, and I, another thing, this happens in sports. I'm sure you've seen this. I'm sorry I'm ranting. We're going to get to know you. We're gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stroke your ego there, buddy. Stop being one of those people who when you hate someone so much and they lose, you go, I fucking called it. I predicted that. No, you didn't. You predict he's going to lose all his matches. So when he finally loses one, you don't get to be like, oh, look at me. I'm a genius. I called that. The broken clock's right twice a day. Thank you. Right? Yeah. You know that. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm sure you've had to deal with that as a Packer fan listening to a dumb Bears fan, which I'm a Bears fan, yeah. so I'm, I'm, You're I, the one I, I I'm thinking admit of. it. Oh, not me. <laughs> no. no, I'm a realistic one <laughs> who are just like, oh, we're going to kick your ass, we're going to kick your ass, and yeah. then the one time we do, yeah. which is fair to say over these last, look, fellow Bears fans out there, I'm not knocking us. I love, I love our Bears. But the Packers have owned us the last few years. Okay, oh. Cutler is what, two for 12 against you guys? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. All right, well, this is Gareth Reynolds. As I said, he's a Green Bay Packer fan. He's a comic originally from Milwaukee. Uh, we met through our, our mutual friend, Steve Byrne. Yep. And we got along. Wonderful. Yeah. Look at it like, like yeah, despite peas in a being pot. Bears and Packer fans. Which is amazing because, yeah. well, I think we, we agree on a lot of the same stuff. We, we like to booze, we like to have some fun. I also think when you move to L.A., when you can have like a Midwest connection, you'll take that over like the specificity of the sport. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you like you just gravitate towards Midwest people a little bit more. I think. Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah there's something about oh, you know what winter's like. Yeah, exactly. So therefore, you yeah. probably use your turn signal. Right. Yeah. You, know, just, there's, <laughs> you use your turn signal. There's That's things, small world. Yeah. So do I. There's things like that <laughs> where you just connect out in a place like L.A., where I think there anywhere in the country when I'm. When I meet people who grew up in warm weather places, I've met some lovely people. I'm not saying they're all like this. It's just different than meeting someone who's had that bitterness driven into them from just waking up, walking outside, and immediately having your cheekbones hurt because it's so cold. But also not out. know. I, I like that's the one thing that pe- people are always like, well, "What was it like growing?" You're like, you don't know any better. Like you don't yeah. know about a non-wintered existence. You kind of hear rumblings, but it's not like you believe. You just you're you're a kid. Yeah, exactly. So you're well, just I, like this is supposed to be. It's supposed to feel like icicles are going through your cheekbones when you go outside. Yeah, it's supposed to feel like that. You you're familiar with it, but you're never like, oh, no, you're never um, like, you're oh, never I can it. handle this. Never. Yeah, never. never. No, you're always like, ah, kill me. My friend, kill me. <laughs> my friend ZJ Sullivan, who's a really funny comedian, he has like the best reference for it. When people always say, you know, he talks about Chicago winters, and he says, people always go, oh, well, you're used to it. No, I'm familiar with it. Yeah. 50 Cent has been shot nine times. It still hurts if he gets yeah. shot that 10th time. He doesn't get shot for the 10th time and yeah. all his friends are like, oh, come on. This still hurts? 50. Come, come on. on. Just, it's, we'll get a Band-Aid 50. for the pussy, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think that's the best way to put it. Yeah, so we became good buddies right away, and then we went out and watched some Bears Packers. Yep. Now, growing up, um, you're also the son of English immigrants. Correct. No good, illegal Illegal Limey English immigrants. English yes. taking our good yes. American job. Rock-toothed okay. English illegals. Both your parents are from England, right? Both of them, yeah. Okay. My mother actually still lives there. Oh, that's right. You yeah. told me that. You yeah. go back and visit like once a year? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Are they like, look at this, Yank? Yeah, I mean, where she lives is such a small town that it's like, it's still, it, it is still a little bit of like, like I remember when I was a kid and I used to go visit my family where she lives now, like they, like other kids couldn't, could not get over it. Like, they couldn't believe that I was American. I went and visited my cousin's class one day, and I was signing autographs. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. I was like 10, and I was like, Make the line to the left, guys. Line to the left. Oh, that's right. And riot. I was such a little shit ham, you know, that I was just like, all right, uh, who should I make this one out to? Thanks, Barbara. Thanks for watching. How old were you again? I was 10. 10. Yeah. So that was the early 90s. Yeah. That was when, you know, I think people like, were still like, America. Oh, yeah. Oh, my it was God. Still, yeah, it was still like Beverly Hills. you live Hills next to Disney 90. World? Yeah, you know? totally. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, then, and then I never explained where I was from. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, like Los Angeles. Milwaukee's a lot like Los Angeles. Yeah, it's very a, similar. That's a riot. Yeah. yeah. Just add a couple hundred pounds to everyone you see. Yeah, it's yeah. very similar. <laughs> I actually love Milwaukee as a city. I've had a lot of great times up there. It is a great Good uh, comedy great club. Town. Wisconsin yeah. as a whole is a good time. Um, I'm looking at a picture of, uh, of Matt, uh, Nate Diaz. I'm sorry. 
of UFC <laughs> fighter. I dude, I got so mad that he lost. And look, I'm sure. Look, Diaz seems like a well, fine he guy. Whatever. Didn't McGregor just did, isn't isn't the deal that McGregor just tuckered himself? I mean, he really just didn't know what it was kind of going to be like. I guess to fight somebody at that weight. Yeah, and he, he went just, up two he classes. Was, he broke his face, and then he was just. You know, I mean, then he looked—he looked tired he, when he got when he got uh, when he was putting the submission. Yeah, he he, he like tapped he out. Beat. He definitely looked exhausted, and I don't know if he didn't train enough or well, because you don't really you can't prepare. And I, I will give him credit, um, which is what I do. I give Conor McGregor credit on this uh, show. Sure, I uh, he in the post you know fight interview, he basically said, "All right, I I, I realized that these one seventy guys could take hits more than the yeah. guys I'm used to because a lot of those blows, and he did he did hit." Diaz, he gave Diaz a couple shots, but Diaz was still there. And where I think McGregor and his brain was like, that punch normally knocks someone yeah. out. But and he was the weight to, you know, it's an ambitious it. thing to do. I mean, it's an ambitious move on McGregor's part, period. Well, that's why I was floating the rumor that the fight was fixed. Oh. Because the fact that. <laughs> that's why I was floating the rumor. Yeah, after the fight, I'm like, fix. I smell a fix. Because I thought he was <laughs> controlling the fight for the most part in the yeah. first period. Like, he looked like, at the end of one, you're like, McGregor's winning this. Yes. Then he just got a little sloppy, and you're right. He definitely looked tired, and when he tapped out, he looked. Because when he tapped out, I'm like, how did he, he just yeah. barely put it in that quickly? You looked gave like up? he was, yeah, he was beat. I mean, you which know, which is crazy to be at that so level and be. Was beat. it the figure four, right? Like, have you have you, when I, me and my buddy Evan had this travel show on the Travel Channel that nobody Mancations, ever saw, right? Yeah, we called Mancations, but one of them we did an MMA thing. Where we fought each other for three rounds, we had like great trainers, and we had and we learned all day about MMA. I mean, I was hungover as shit, and we <laughs> learned and we we fought for three rounds, uh, three two minute rounds, or maybe three three minute rounds. It was that's exhausting. The most exhaust. I mean, we were so it was so exhausting. Couldn't believe. And I, I mean, I'm obviously not. I never trained for that shit. But still, the uh, it is it so is that exhausting. It, I wrestled one season in high school, and it, and it was like you're just so what? it's crazy. I think a lot of it's just so much your heart race and your brain just like ah, I gotta. You well, know, and it, and it's, it's it is adrenaline. Like it's your adrenaline's like we can do anything, and your body's like we are out of shape yeah. and not ready for this. Yeah, we that is true. We cannot do this. So yeah, with McGregor uh, going into it, he said, "No, screw it. We'll fight. We'll fight at 170." Yeah. Which there's no need for him to do that. No. Like a lot of, if you're a champion at a weight class, yeah. you kind of get to control. And he's the biggest star. So when he did that, I remember being like, people need to tell, talk more about that going into this. They kind of did it. What they talked about more was Diaz only had a 10 or 11 days to prepare, yeah. which I get to understand that's very difficult too. Yeah. So going into that, I was well aware if Diaz did lose right away that he, at least he had some slack there. Yeah. And then I also thought to myself, if McGregor loses, he's got a little bit of, well, he just jumped up a couple weight classes. Let totally. him get a couple fights there to get, that's a big thing. So in my head, I'm like, all right, it's non-title. McGregor jumped up weight classes so he could save face if he loses. Why not have the big upset? Why not tap out? Right, right. You know, why not? You love McGregor. I think it's. I think the is it the Irish? It's Irish. Irish. <laughs> really? That's absolutely is it just why. Irish? No, That's it is. No, yeah. I'm kidding. I mean, everybody. you like that. You like that he's. Fight wasn't that he talks he a lot lost, of shit. Screwed up. But, but you. <laughs> It's adorable. Dude, I just don't want. I mean, <laughs> look, because uh, half my friends growing up in high school were Italian and half were Irish. So there's this whole Irish Italian thing. Yeah. And these guys love anytime an Irish guy falls on his face to just <laughs> go at it. And I'm just like, oh my God. See, this enough. is. This, now we're making progress. This is. You guys got this pizza. Is therapy. Yeah. Oh, we get it. You All know? right. There and I have to remind them that Marco Polo stole spaghetti and all those ideas from the Chinese. <laughs> Shit, this cuts deep. This cuts deep, man. <laughs> no, some of my best friends are to this day are Italian dudes, and they just love it. Like we just 
and I feel like they always start it. But yeah. I feel like in America, especially if you grew up in any kind of big city. No, the Irish like are my, known my as not. My friends like in small towns stuff. probably don't get this. <laughs> yeah, the Irish are known for not starting altercations. Hey, listen. Okay, Mr. Imperialist <laughs> English Just guy saying. over here. Yeah, uh, rather, yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, rather cheerio. Yeah. But uh, no, I I am kidding. I but I I do want the Irish guys to win. McGregor yeah. typically. That's fine. Like with the, when this election cycle started, I'm like Martin O'Malley sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah and then I, <laughs> and then you got and then you saw, then you saw. <laughs> then you realize you got to actually pay attention a yeah, little bit. Yeah, you know? actually. Well, he was exhausted. Like McGregor, he was exhausted early too. He gets yes. exhausted after the first debate question. O'Malley was on the ropes. He was just like, oh, I can't handle any more thought. Oh, Diaz. He's just such a... He doesn't know what a gazelle is. He didn't know what a gazelle was. Well, that's shocking. Yeah. <laughs> that is all right. shocking. Well, all right. Well, Diaz, congratulations. Diaz fans, congratulations. McGregor will be back, though. I think in a few weeks, I'm going to get our, our friend Mick Betancourt on the podcast. He's a yeah. big UFC guy. He's so, so what, what is McGregor? him to what educate is, me. What is McGregor's educate. next move? What, what does he do? Does he... Go, does, he's, does he go back to fighting? I think he t- has a title defense at 145. Right. And, um, if it's and then what after that? Does he fight at like again. 170 again? I think he'll then want to go up weight class. So he's he just going to keep fl- I'm worried he's going to be like the Luther Vandross of UFC. His weight is going to be going. He's going to be ballooning. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's just stayed as little and dominate there and continue to shit talk. But I think he's a, it would be, he's a guy who likes challenges. Dude, it would he be amazing challenges. to keep fluctuating weights and just fight. Defend your and title. Winning, <laughs> just back and forth. Get up, yeah. Like if he had 140, like 155, yeah. 170. But I got to stop now. In two weeks, I got a 170. <laughs> I'm fucking exhausted. <laughs> I do love hearing him shit talk. Everybody's like, uh, you're a fucking, you know, I just. Uh, when he, there was this one that I, this, this interview I saw where, you know, Nate Diaz walked out on it. And uh, he's he, McGregor is just like talking, and he keeps ordering coffee. He keeps telling Nate oh, Diaz yeah. to get him coffee. And then after one answer, he goes, "Now, where's that coffee at?" <laughs> like so serious. I, I don't know. I think he's just great for this. But this idea that oh, Irish people are already sure. known for bad tempers and fighting, and the UFC, which is the new sport that's taken over boxing because it's just promoted way better, and and you had the. the Poster yeah. boy of it is this Irish he's guy like who's a, peaky a huge blinder. talker. Yeah, he's like that show on Netflix. Yeah. You're right. He, he, he's just like, I mean, he just is like an Irish peaky he's, blinder. He's just walking around not Brad giving Pitt shit. Yeah, he'll, exactly. Yeah. Just fight anything. He'll fight a wolf. I am fucking Terry Parker, the Parker Blue. Don't fight that fucking lion. Yeah, <laughs> fucking don't leave its claws. Leave its fucking claws. <laughs> I don't. Even... Let's go. Me and the fucking lion. Dude, you're fucking dominating that accent, man. I used to think I did a decent Irish accent. I'm afraid to even try because in comparison to you, I know I'm going to look bad. And I can't have that. Oh, this is a safe place. Ah, it doesn't feel so safe right okay. now. I'll tell you that. I much. was trapping you. I'm not going to lie. You were. You were. Um, oh, do you ever want to run down to the podcast? We're doing a new thing where we're going to, every week, we're going to review a 30 for 30. 30 for 30 sports documentaries have become just a big cultural phenomenon with everyone, especially in our age bracket everyone yeah. i know from the age of like 21 to like 40 is obsessed with these things yeah and i feel like a bad sports fan because i'm behind on a lot of them right so i'm kind of doing this as a way to make myself watch one this or is two redemption a week. yes yeah and i want to talk about it because just a fun like sports thing to talk about i like to dig deep and a lot of that inspiration also comes from the podcast you're a co-host of called the dollop with dave anthony yes which was great well i think uh i know one publication here in la said it was like top five podcast or yeah. way up there uh tell us a little bit about that and then we'll get into uh we'll go around the world of sports uh I, well actually the dollop has a number of good uh, <laughs> uh sports stories but uh 
we, basically the dollop is an American history podcast. So the guy that I do it with is named Dave Anthony, and he will prepare uh, a story from American history. A- I mean, anything. There's so many crazy stories. He'll prepare the story, and I don't know much about history. So 99.9% of the times that we do the podcast, I have no I, – I, I mean, I never know what the story is going to be when we go in. But even when he starts explaining the story, 99.9% of the time, I still don't know what it is. I've never heard of it. And he'll just explain this crazy shit to me. And I'll just, uh, you know, we'll just make jokes and riff on uh, on, on what's going on, you know. But uh, it, it's very, I mean, I think it's people like it because it's kind of educational. Yeah. It's educational. It's insightful. It's funny. Um, and insane. And some uh, of them are insane. Some of them will really blow your mind. I, if I could recommend anyone, uh, I think the Ferguson one was. Because it really showed you how deep that problem was there, yeah. And you did it in a in a, in a way where I thought it was fair on um, at many levels. It wasn't, you know. I remember sharing it, and then someone I knew commented like, "Was this some? Is going to be some cop bashing podcast?" I'm like, no. Then that's not what it was. It yeah. was you. You talked about the problems with institutional racism, how deeply it goes, and it wasn't it wasn't knocking law enforcement at all. And I, and I don't think anyone really is. Well, when you think about so something- weird, you make fun of you not make fun of, but. You tell people, I know so, so many cops who will say one rotten apple spoils the bunch. Yeah. And they're kind of profiling in that instance. Right. But when you say that about them, it's like, no, you're a piece of shit and you yeah. don't support police officers. Anyway, though. No, I, I think, you know, I think anything like that, like, you know, like Ferguson or any of that stuff. If you ever think about like what, you know, things to, in today's society, like, but Ferguson is a good example. It starts from a long time ago decisions that were made that sort of started changing you know started culturally changing not only just that area but many areas and that sort of gives you insight into how did this actually start which isn't really like just nailing cops in no, general yeah, it's i mean not taking you know. a, it's basically letting you know this is that's what people mean by institutional racism there's just there's things in place that make it impossible for certain people to get out of the situation they're in. Right. And then if you you're know. a cop, you have impossible situations to do, you know. Yeah, I they mean, have the, it's an incredibly difficult job yeah. in, a, in, a, in a situation to be in. And a lot of, you know, when you're a rookie cop or when you're new, you take on the personality of the people who came before you. Yeah. And then it goes back and back and back and back. And like, you know, I'm sure it started right after slavery where it was like, oh, that guy who used to work for me for free is now, he's a free man now. Totally. And then like his buddy's a cop and he's like, I'll, I'll keep an eye on that guy. Yeah. Like, you know, like, so yeah, it's, it's, it, there's a deep history to it. And, uh, this is a sports podcast. Well, I just know that's why we've become friends because you and I have had conversations at bars like this for hours on end. So. And if, uh, for sports listeners, the dollop, there's one called the Rube, which everybody, uh, is most, a lot of people's favorite episode is about the pitcher Rube Waddell, who was, uh, arguably a better pitcher than Cy Young, but we don't know who he is because he was such a, a fucking lunatic. Really? Yeah. I see. I'm a, I'm a dire baseball guy. I've not heard of this. It is it really learning about why the, the Rube, the Rube, you'll never be able to unthink of the Rube. It's uh it's a good episode. So that's a good one for sports fans. Okay, cool. That's good. It's good to see then. Um, Oh yeah. All right. We'll switch in from the UFC real quick. I know you're a big basketball guy too. Yeah. Um, Who's your NBA team though? Is Milwaukee Bucks? It is that by default. It is the Bucks. Well, I wasn't sure though. You know, yeah. you need some people. Well, who it's just... it's hard. It, it, the truth is, when you don't live in the city where your team plays and they're not good, it's really hard to watch the games. Like even if you have NBA, if you don't have the NBA package, you're not going to be able to watch a lot of Bucks games. The Bucks just keep getting injured. I feel like th- they will be good, 
but they just are so and I mean as the Bulls are the Bulls are super banged up but the Bucks have a lot of guys out for the year and you know the Bulls are so banged up it's almost people were talking about Tom Thibodeau running players into the ground and then they're saying well they're getting injured under this guy but then again I you know that was years in the making a lot yeah, of these injuries yeah. but now to go deeper than that who is the trainer of this team yeah where <laughs> everyone I feel like Seriously. they're professional athletes I'm watching them jump up real high in the air which is what they do yeah get a rebound come down and be out for a week yeah. They're like, they're like they don't know how to land apparently either. Um, it's constant hamstrings and knees. I mean, Derrick Rose just is just an injury play guy. That's what he's going to be. But hamstrings, he's the new a, lot, hamstrings a lot of time do our our conditioning. I mean, yes. hamstrings are like a conditioning injury. So it's like yeah, totally. There was that. Um, who was it? One, a player in Major League Baseball who was having hamstring problems for a little early on in his minor league career. Adam Jones on the Orioles. I I can't even think of the name exact. Doesn't matter. The point of the story is. Tons of hamstring issues. We started doing yoga, like yeah. extensively, all sorts of different kinds of yoga, and and kind of that became his like he kind of like dropped, stopped lifting weights basically. I mean, he would do a little bit of tightening up, right? You know, some curls for the girls, tries for the guys, right? That sort of thing. Immediately, the hamstring problems went away, right? So you're right. That is <laughs> conditioning. And I'll just say how good a line that, that was. is. A pretty good right, line, good. right? Curls for the girls, uh, tries for the guys. Yeah. You guys um, use that. I want all my listeners to use that. Hashtag it. Hashtag um, comedians talking sports. But uh, yeah, no. So I, I mean, but the where are the Bulls in the East right now? I think we're number. Oh God, we're barely hanging in. I think we're the seventh seed. Yeah. At the moment, which is crazy. Dunleavy will start. You know, I actually went to high school with Dunleavy. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I went to high school with Dunleavy. My friend threw a basketball at his face. <laughs> Uh, before he was like six nine or whatever he was, he was six one when I knew him. And then like one summer he came back, and then it was like Jesus, yeah, God, he's a tall dude. You're probably gonna play for Duke. That's in- that's incredible. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't realize he was from that area either. His dad was the coach of the Bucks for a little while, and probably for four se- four or five seasons. And when when they were there, he was uh, yeah, he was there, and then I think he coached the Clippers after. Uh, okay. Speaking they- of coaches, yeah, this is a good little. Transition we get seg to Unless you had another... No, uh, seg, baby, seg. All right, here we go. I wanted to bring up uh, the Warriors got upset by the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, that game was enjoyable. Yeah, the Lakers actually... I mean, there's you know people are saying because uh, I think Curry and Thompson were like a combined like one for 19 or something. They were I, I believe really, it was one for 19. Really awful game yeah, from two guys who were amazing. Yeah, it yeah. might have been even higher. I think when I checked the score, it was like one for 18. Uh and everyone's floating the whole, well, they were in L.A. last night. They're probably partying, you know, in West Hollywood or Beverly Hills a little bit. You know, there's always yeah. an excuse that I hear, not just for basketball, for any sport, whenever a team that's really good loses to a team they shouldn't, it's immediately, they were partying they're last partying. night. They, they partied. You know, come on, everybody. They partied. And it's really funny to hear the idiots talk about it. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, because everyone goes crazy in Cincinnati. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yeah. They just yeah. got beat. Yeah. They played Cleveland. Oh, yeah, Cleveland. They probably hit that coffee shop that's open until 830. Yeah, totally. Like, I'm... <laughs> Exactly. Um, but I don't I don't think that was the thing. I think the Lakers actually because I saw I was going back and forth because I, I was at some bar and they had it on and then I went somewhere. You know, I was doing comedy. So yeah, I've seen, yeah. seen it like at the, the comedy clubs TV. And so I didn't really see the whole game, but it looked like they were trapping well and they were putting a body. When I watched Golden State, if you play them physical a little bit, you could get them off their game because they're not a physical team. But it's also hard to play in physical because they all shoot like 98% from the free throw line and they move the ball around so well. Well, Steph Curry hasn't had a shot blocked this year. That well, is or a three. A I think three it might block. be a three. three he, yeah. he hasn't had a three blocked this year. So the problem the problem with with stopping the Warriors is that not only 
do you you just don't know where to defend? I mean, he can hit from thirty five. Like he can hit very comfortably. His from range like starts when he enters the Forty gym. feet, yeah. he seems to be pretty decent at. I know he's, so, he's insane. So where do you start committing defenders? How far out do you start committing defenders? Which then, if you have guys playing 35, 40 feet out. I mean that that's just so easy for them to to run a different kind of style of offense through that. Yeah, people will knock Curry saying like, "Oh, you, you notice he's always wide open when he shoots." I go, "Well, what is that? His fault?" Yeah. I mean, sorry, that's the way it is. Said, well, and they have good they have good players around him, but yeah. but that game, I mean, they couldn't buy a three. Like they they it just I mean nothing, nothing. The shots were you know they were hitting they were fucking hitting the back of the iron. They were all they were off. close, but they were just having which happens. Shooters have if you're yeah. someone who's a shooter like he is, you're gonna have an off night. It it is a testament almost to him because he really spoils you with how rarely he, he is. He is in, so good, and it's, you're right. Back to the distance. I remember that one game was he like two steps in front of the half court line. Yeah, and he shot it like like any regular jump he shot. He shoots like a three, and even yeah he shoots shots that I shoot from 12 feet out like the way I would shoot it from 12 feet out yeah 40 feet out like yeah. you're saying those are shots I have to like run up I have to travel seven steps into and then hurl up from my like yeah you're, waist you don't just have to a form. hopefully yeah. hit the rim no he has he has form well I, I it, it, to me what's crazy is that like there okay so there's never been there's never been a shooter this good. Like we're obviously he's just we're you're just starting to see right now. Like he's like Neo in the Matrix. Yeah. You're just starting to be like, oh shit, he just realized he can fly. Exactly. Like so he he really is just coming into his own. But if you're like it's gotta be so weird for a guy like LeBron, who has spent his whole career being the most physical, the most gifted, the most naturally talented guy who can, you know, the more that he works out, the stronger that he gets, the harder he is to defend, to now be second fiddle to a wiry 6'2 dude who doesn't just really has the greatest either, shot yeah. ever. And just, well, yeah, just doesn't really, yeah, but, I mean, the team plays good defense. His defense yes. isn't amazing. You're right. It's got to be, and I touched on the podcast last week about this because I, I had a comedian who's a Cleveland fan on. It wasn't Ryan Dalton, though, although I had uh, him on a few months well, ago. That was comedian. more about the Browns. Well, yeah, <laughs> so you knew I wasn't Dalton. Um, that's a little dig at our boy. But we did talk about how I touched on the fact that I think Curry never had the baggage. He's on a team that was all drafted. They came up together. I mean, they weren't yeah. all drafted, obviously, but they weren't this. I think the Miami Heat, LeBron James, is the one that people really started to hate. His yeah. last season with Cleveland, he, he didn't show up against Boston. He walked off the court. And maybe that was just frustration from not be, being a number one seed three years in a row and then losing again and, and all that kind of stuff. And then I don't think people like the idea of professional answers getting together over brunch and deciding, hey, yeah. let's all go form a super team. Well, that's okay for bands. That is not okay for basketball teams. And then the flopping. LeBron was a flopper notoriously. And to me, that people lost respect for that because flopping is for the 12th man off the bench so he could still have a job, not for the most talented player in the league. Well, flopping has really been hurt by, I mean, you, you now know if someone's flopping. Yes. More than ever. And his flopping would be, you, you would be like, his eye must have gotten hurt. I mean, how did his eye not get hurt? Look at him acting right now. Yeah. If his eye isn't hurt, he's a crazy man. And then you'd see the replay and his eye wouldn't get touched. And you'd be like, what this is, cra what you don't need to be that good and then be that big of a baby. Yes. Like the, you can, you can systemically break down where LeBron James lost everybody. It starts with being at the boys and girls club. 
Then it moves to having a big uh, party in the stadium announcing that they're going to win eight or nine championships. Yes. Then it goes down to the dislikability of the team. Then it Not goes to the flop. Not Dallas in the finals. And, then, and yeah, I mean, and just why, the body, yeah, all that stuff. That's where he lost everyone. And then he sort of had no choice but to embrace being a villain, which was uncomfortable for everybody. Because yeah, I think LeBron's actually a pretty good person. Yeah. I, I mean, his Twitter's he, insane. But yeah, yeah I for think sure. He just, but, you know, he does some nice things. He started a scholarship funds and all that. And I hear him in interviews, he doesn't seem like that bad of a guy, but you're right. What is he thinking seeing Steph Curry be the new guy, especially since these last two years, since going back to Cleveland, LeBron's numbers have gone down. Yeah. And a lot of that comes from just being on a different team. You know, you're not going to average nine rebounds a game yeah. when you have Kevin Love on your team. Right. And, and uh, Thomas, you know what I mean? Um, is it Tyrese Thompson? Tristan Thompson. Tristan Thompson. Yeah. Tristan. There we go. I forget because sometimes okay. you just see the last names. You Listen, don't always hear the first okay. names. Don't, worry, don't make friends. fun this of me. All right, this is a safe place. I feel good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's got to be weird for him to see that. But back to Golden State real quick. Uh, St- uh, Steve Kerr, yeah, um, who has about five or six rings, three yes. with the Bulls, a couple with San Antonio, yep. who is a guy I like a lot. Yeah. He's great in interviews. He's a smart nice. basketball guy. Yeah. He Horrible uh, back surgeon. Whoever's performing his back surgery must have been using like ladles and spoons. I yeah. mean, he's had more complications. He has. You're right. Back surgery you're right. That is. I don't know what doctor he's going to. Who, yeah. He's like, come on, man. You've got money. Go yeah. to the good ones. Yeah. He um he had a really funny comment. I thought after they lost to the Lakers, Golden okay. State, he said, "Yeah, we played like millennials tonight." Oh shit. Yeah, which I thought was so weird. In the I've never heard a coach. As a way to like insult <laughs> slash motivate his team, reference the generation in which most of those players are a part of. Yeah. And, and in such a negative way, like yeah. a backhanded way, too, where I'm like, has anyone ever like. Like he's did, calling did, them like lethargic douchebags. I pretty much. Yeah. Did, like, did Phil Jackson ever say, oh, you know, I'll tell you what, we played like a bunch of Gen Xers. We're Gen X and tonight. Okay, you know? I swear Jordan looked like a sad Chris Cornell out there. Like, like, we what? are baby booming. Play defense. Oh, you know, I said Chris Cornell instead of Kirk Cobain because in my mind, I reference Nirvana in everything I do. So, oh, yeah. And, and someone jokingly wrote that on. They go, Joe always finds a way to bring it back to Nirvana somehow. Yeah. Which I've done yet again. You happy, everybody? Uh, I'm happy. You've seen Nirvana twice. Yeah. That's probably, I will, I don't. Once, once at a shit show and once at a concert. Yeah. You can have five HBO specials, win Oscars and Grammys, and I won't be jealous of any of that. But yeah. I will always be jealous that you got to see Nirvana twice. Yeah, it is crazy. It really is crazy. I mean, it feels like a different what, life. What was, was the shit show you saw him? Uh, my brother's band was playing some sort of like little weird show at this place called uh, The Unicorn in Milwaukee. And uh, I was probably... 14 or so and would just go to see some of his shows he was in a band called feck and uh and they were there and they were just all i mean everybody was just drunk really yeah of course um and then i saw them uh on in the in utero tour years later and when they added pat smear yeah when yeah. they uh yeah i think pat smear was there and then i was and i would i almost got backstage my brother's uh, drummer was like, come, come back with me, and I was like, oh shit, I couldn't find my brother, and then I ended up not not doing it. Uh, but um, bummer. But it was, cr- it's the greatest and the craziest. Were you real bummed when you found out uh, Kurt had died? Ah, oh, it was the worst. Because I wasn't listening at the time. Uh, I was nine years old when he died. It it was it was so devastating to me. <sighs> I I can't I don't even know how old I must have been. I can't imagine. I must have been even younger when I saw him at that shit show, but I it it, it was devastating. Yeah, because you're only a few years older than me. Yeah, it it really was like the the 
the, you know, I mean, it was totally like, it was like a friend of mine. It was not only a friend of mine, it was like a, a great advisor had died. So, My dad had died, you know? Yeah, I still go down YouTube, like, you know, wormholes where I'm just watching old interviews with him. Yeah. That dude was cool. And, yeah. And yeah, you could see he was a moody, sensitive guy too, but he was cool. Like, Well, the, and even when we, you know, we, we went and saw a montage of Heck together yeah. in the theater, which is a great documentary about Nirvana, but you... You really like one of the things that was so badass about <laughs> them and him was that he really didn't give a fuck. He did not. He really he just like he didn't he didn't like you see him in interviews and he just doesn't want to answer, doesn't want to be there. And I, I think, you know, it's like Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. Another he, he, Seattle. He, he, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's, yeah, it's, true. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to be here. Like, you know, it's called Cobaining. Yeah, uh, Lynch. But he uh, yeah, he really was just the you know, he's genuine. He just was genuine about who he was and what he was doing and. You know, I love that raw concert footage because that's why I always when I see and I know whenever I meet anyone who has seen Nirvana in concert, I get very jealous because you see those footage and and the whole story behind them on tour was they were either the greatest show you ever saw or sometimes it'd be a complete shit show. Yeah, you know, and and they could admit that they would either be wow, this is this is why they're the best band on the planet by far right now. There was one who's they're singing the song Breed, which is really fast paced, like cool, more punk rock version of a Nirvana song. Yeah, and. He at one point the microphone and it was in the mic stand and it goes down to the ground. Yeah. And while he's like running around, just like like really playing like crazy, he drops to his knees and sings into the microphone that's lying on the ground. Yeah. And it just looks so fucking rock started. Yeah. Just do the way he goes. And Breed is such a badass song. It's like you know, it's such a cool ass song. And just to drop, I just thought it was really cool when they like destroying the instruments. I was just gonna say, it seemed like when I saw them the last time, their favorite part was smashing the instruments. Yeah, because they really went on making noise, and it's great to watch the crowd sort of go like, "What the fuck is that?" (laughs) But yeah, just making noise and just smashing the shit out of stuff. Really, you were like, they're having a great time up there right now. Yeah. And that was probably, you know, six months before he died. Oh, that's crazy, man. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, a millennial. Steve Kerr calling them a bunch of millennials. And it kind of made, it made me laugh at first. And then it made me think, all right, why are we getting shit on so much as a generation? Yeah. I almost feel like next time, next time they win and they look really great, he needs to say, I'll tell you what. We look like the greatest generation out there. All right. We really. We, we were the greatest generation. We the greatest generation out there. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's the way we were sacrificing for the good of the team. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, people were volunteering to Put get in there. Put your brother on your back. Sure. I, uh, the way Steph Curry took out that Jap. I mean, no, no, I didn't mean that. Sorry. Um, sorry, I'm Steve Kerr. Sorry. That's great. Um, yeah, so uh, do you think it's going to be a rematch? Warriors-Cavs? I kind of feel... I kind of feel like the Cavs might get upset. I don't know why, and I don't know by who. They have no but, chemistry, if you but ask me. There's, there's but there's just kind of some there's some problem. I, but that being said, they could start to play. Like, the, the way they were playing at the beginning of the season, they were really they looked really, really good. Kevin Love looked really good for a while with Tyron Lue when he first took over. But I feel like the Raptors are really good. They look really good, and I tell you, I, I just think with the way the East is just bad. I, 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 I just think that's a bad brand of basketball right there. And San Antonio could even upset Golden State. Totally. And I still I, – I, Clippers could also do some damage to somebody. I mean, they, they've played Golden State well. Okay, see, so you can't count out either. No. I mean, everybody's shitting on them, but they, they've, they, all, they should have beaten Golden State recently. Um, I, the, West, the West, I feel like it probably will be Golden State. I think you're right. The only team that could, out, the only team that could beat them – would be the Spurs, which could potentially happen. Um, and I do think probably the Cavs will end up, but there's also, I just feel, I don't trust that team. 
and I just don't try. I mean, I feel like they have so much talent. Like I feel like do. Tristan yeah. Thompson is so good. LeBron is obviously LeBron. Kyrie, but they're they all just good. playing. They're not. They're playing very individually, which makes me think a team like Toronto, which just has just seems to have better chemistry, not better players, better chemistry, could you know in seven games take them. That's definitely chemistry is the key, and I think that an article just came about how LeBron and Kyrie Irving just do not have chemistry. And uh, when I find the link to that article, because I skimmed through it on the drive over here today, I'm going to post that. I'll tweet it from Comedians Talking Sports Twitter account, which is at Comedy Sports Pod. Also follow me on Twitter at Joe Kilgallen, at Gareth Reynolds. At Reynolds Gareth, At Reynolds Gareth. See, that's why I was pointing. I'm like, is that (laughs) Reynolds Gareth? When I post the podcast, you guys will see, and you'll be able to follow Gareth. He's he's hilarious on Twitter, so you definitely want to check that out. Uh, Switching to a weird, crazy story in the world of sports before we get into our recap of... uh, 30 for 30, June 17th, 1974, or 1994. Right. 1994, which covers the day in which O.J. Simpson took off in the Bronco. Right. Aaron Andrews awarded $55 million. All right, yeah, yeah. From Marriott Hotels. I believe it was Marriott or is it Hilton's. I live by Marriott, so I can be confusing. It doesn't yeah. matter. One of the hotels, One of the hotels. Uh, is paying half, and then the peeping Tom himself is getting that. Uh, it's such a crazy thing because uh, she was always – I probably was guilty of this when I first got Facebook and Twitter and social media, not Twitter because Twitter came on later of being one of those guys where it's like, here's a random picture of Aaron Andrews ass that yeah. I want to post. Not like a naked one, but she was always just so gawked at. You mean, pri- you mean not, not pictures that were taken from this event, not but you mean prior, thing, like just stuff prior, that was, like, yeah, I had a friend who was at the college world series, which she would cover. Uh-huh. And all, all he was doing was just posting pictures of her from behind. <laughs> right. Aaron Andrews is standing there. Look how tight those khakis are. Like, and it almost makes me just think, like, ah, oh, damn, it really sucks for women to go into the world of sports because they have to deal with that. And then, you know, I'm glad she won the case. I'm going to put that out there right there. I know some people would be like, $55 million, that's crazy. It's not. It's it's about the precedent it sets going forward where it's going to tell hotels and these people, hey, what you're doing is damaging beyond just you being able to jerk off to something later. Yeah. And to post on the Internet in a real shitty way. And no one's talking about this, but TMZ knew about it six months before it hit the Internet. And they're kind of scummy in that regard. Right. I almost feel like there should be something towards TMZ in there. Like, look, we all appreciate TMZ when they published the Ray Rice videos first about him knocking her out. Um, yeah. But listen, don't. But they don't, don't operate like from innocent. a moral standpoint. No, they don't. They're really <laughs> shitty people. They, they released the Ray Rice thing not to be like, let's stop domestic violence. They no. did it to be like, Clip, we're fucking TMZ. Clickbait. Click yeah, I almost, exactly. I almost said clickbait. 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 Click, click. Clitbait. Clitbait. Oh boy, would be a great porn website parody. Yeah. Thing. Oh yeah, of clickbaiting. So, free billion dollar idea for you, everybody. <laughs> oh, take Just it, Simi Valley. Take it there for you. Uh, so yeah, no, congratulations to Aaron Andrews. Um, I yeah, I just I don't know. I guess as as evolved as we could get, you know. And look, sports are still an escape, but you know. Women have a place in them too, and you don't need to just be like a fucking twelve-year-old boy about it. No, I think. Well, the truth is, I think that you know, Aaron Andrews. There, there are there. It, it's such a weird place for a woman because at first it started off as you were really, you really were kind of just eye candy. You really were just supposed yes. to be on the sideline and not say much. And now there are actually there's there's a number of really great sports journalists who are women who totally hold their own in any of these sure you know, totally. on ESPN or, or articles whatever it is but uh but there you know there is such there there is such an objectification still and you hear a lot of fucked up stuff about how athletes treat women when they're in the locker room or you know certain things like that um 
that something like this is good because I think, like you said, it does set a precedent that just sort of says, okay, there are limits to what you can do. Exactly. And just because your friend is posting pictures of her ass at the World Series, that's one thing. But to actually invade privacy on that level is just illegal. Yeah, and I'm not telling dude sports fans you can't be attracted to these women. If I'm at a bar with you and we're watching a game and an attractive sports anchor comes on, I'll be like, yeah, dude, she's pretty hot. Because that's just, that's natural human being and, stuff. And, well, but that's also what ESPN also, is doing. Yes. You know, I mean, it, it, it's what they do with news anchors. I mean, they, yeah, they really... You see the weather women in they, Los Angeles? Yeah, Jesus they tra- it's a matter of time until it turns into like a bath. It turns to turns into clickbait. Yes. Uh, the porno <laughs> we're talking about. But, uh, but yeah. Actually, oh, never mind. <laughs> no. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No. When you said porno clickbait news anchor, it made me think. If you guys go to uh, Pornhub, there's a video on the side. <laughs> you know that those advertisements on the side. Yeah. Uh, this woman, really attractive redhead, uh, dyed red hair. They're like Jessica Rabbit. She's like giving the news, and as she's giving the news, like a dick just enters the screen, and she's trying to give like a news report while jerking the guy off, and then she's still doing the news while he's banging her, but you never really fully see him, which is fine. And then as she's doing the final like, and that's the news today. That's that's when he does the money shot. On oh her. my god! And yeah, it's one of those pay sites. Otherwise, I'll give you. I could give you more of a report on the video. It's five years until Fox News does that, though. You know, I'm starting to think a better podcast would be just reviewing porn instead of reviewing thirty for thirty. There you go. But you're right. Fox News is very close to that. Uh, speaking of which, let's get into that 30 for 30. Right. I chose this week to recover, uh, to review, I should say, not recover, review for the first time a 30 for 30, June 17th, 1994. Uh, because the people versus OJ Simpson is a big hit on Fox, or not Fox, on FX. And I think uh, it was just really interesting to start with that one because I remember that day. Yeah, I remember being home and I was out playing with my friends because it was summer in Chicago. I was probably playing baseball in the front yard, you know. Not like in the yard we'd play like on the street where yeah. foul balls were the like were the street. Right. So basically, if you were lefty, you were fucked. Basically, like an advisory video on how to like not raise children, sort of just be like in the street, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> you know, in the city of Chicago. Yeah. And I remember going inside for dinner or going to take go to the bathroom or something, and my babysitter being like, "Look at this! This is O.J. Simpson," and just seeing the helicopter footage of the white Bronco. Yeah. And what the documentary is about is it shows that how crazy the world of sports was on that particular day. All of this stuff happened. It was in a the crazy day. Background of O.J. Simpson, a Hall of Fame football player, one of the greatest running backs of all time, pretty much in anyone's top five, the top ten list. To see him fleeing, and I didn't know this at the time, but he, I didn't know he was suicidal. I didn't know the whole thing was. Right. Yeah. He's doing the, like the guy's driving. Because he's in there threatening to kill himself. Yeah. No, it was... Al Cowlings is the driver. A.C. Cowlings, that's right. Yeah, A.C. He had juice. Uh, Well, first of all, the FX show is such a great combination of being not good and so captivating. I I can't think of many things that are like it. Because it is very sort of like... Uh, like lifetimey in a way at times and yet the people that are in it and the story that you're learning about and following is just so fascinating that it is it is actually a very enjoyable show to watch you sum that up very well because i agree with that this could be incredible but it's also not yeah it's this the whole junk food exactly when they had uh robert kardashian saying what is basically the suicide note which again i didn't know that he had read a suicide note i don't remember that either i don't remember that 
And then they're cutting back to the young Kardashian kids, Ugh. young Kim Ugh. and Courtney and Chloe and the, the other one that no Ugh. one likes. Um, Just makes you I'm think like, if we could have dropped a bomb on that house. Yeah, and it does make you think because in the episode, OJ threatens to kill himself and David Schwimmer is like, not in Kimmy's bedroom. Yeah. Please don't kill yourself in my daughter's bedroom. How different would her life have been if OJ had <laughs> killed himself in her bedroom? Oh, man. Would we have been... Would, would we have the sex tape? Would it be more graphic? Would we not have it? I, I don't know. Yeah. She might have gone to like... She yeah. might be, she, she might be a guidance counselor to high school yeah. somewhere. Just totally have changed her life. Secretary of State Kim Kardashian. Yeah, I mean, like I got affected by that. I realized life is precious. Yes. I just decided to ambassador go down this to road. Armenia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. ambassador to Armenia. Uh, but it is what is what is so crazy about the thirty for thirty is that okay. So the NBA Finals are in like Game Four, uh, and it was Game Five actually. Game I've got five. it right now. Um, the series was tied two two. Here's what else is going on. Stanley Cup uh, Final. The Rangers had just beaten the Canucks for their first Stanley Cup since 1950. Right. So it was a huge deal for a lot of like true – at the time, yeah, I yeah. think New York was more true New Yorkers, not just this hipsterville that we think of it as now. So yeah. they were cutting to all this footage of like these diehard New Yorkers with that crazy, my my dad couldn't say this, and now I'm, I'm here. You know, that shit. It uh, was a bad New York accent. And, <laughs> and so the parade, that was the parade day. Right. And then the other event, I'll tell you the two other events, and then you could go back to uh, what you were just saying. Uh, Arnold Palmer's final U.S. Open. That's right. His last as a professional. Then he joined the senior uh, circuit later. And then what else? I'm sorry. World World Cup Cup opener in Chicago. That's what my family was watching. We were watching the World Cup. But it was – so you have all these things going on, and they all get interrupted because of O.J. It really was – it was the craziest shit that had ever happened in my world when that first started. I mean, it was shocking because he was in the Naked Gun. Yes, he was like he he it's was hilarious. like he was like doing like yeah he did like orange juice commercials like uh, you know he did end, like Hertz commercials. No, exactly. At the end of the documentary, both himself and Arnold Palmer are in a Hertz commercial together. Yeah, and they're like laughing and hugging. Yeah, and here is OJ ruining what was. A great day for Arnold Palmer. Finally, Arnold Palmer couldn't, he he was crying. He couldn't even speak in his press conference. He was so, this is what I've done my whole life. I've given everything to the sport of golf, and here I am, my last U.S. Open ever. And like all that. I mean, he wasn't thinking, OJ, screw you, because he didn't know they were interrupting coverage. I'm the victim here. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I remember thinking when it happened, yeah, this is a crazy event. And then finding out through the documentary, the ratings were more than some Super Bowls. They had oh, almost yeah. 85 million to 90 million people were tuning in. It also helps that they broke into all this coverage. Well, it would be exactly. It would be like somebody just being like, oh, by the way, the Super Bowl's right now. You'd be like, oh, shit, put the game on. Yeah, you got to get the game on. Exactly. And it's on four different channels. Yeah. Yeah. So, Because yeah, this was really before 24-hour news networks. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it was really a crazy thing. So the, the backdrop of the world of sports going on, you know, they're showing the World Cup opener, President Clinton in Chicago saying this is going to, you know, it's always been a world event, but now it's always been the rest of the world. But now America loves soccer, America too, trying to give soccer. us soccer. Yeah, trying to do his Bill Clinton stuff, uh. you know. Uh, uh, and then it was really funny. They were just cutting back to all this footage. Keith Oberman looked terrible. Oh, yeah, with the mustache? The mustache and, like, yeah. the dark, like, almost Lego Tone. man hair. Yeah, he looked haircut. like yeah, – somehow it was 94, but nobody told Keith Oberman because he was in 1982. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and then I realized, speaking of Keith Oberman and just the fact that they were going between sports and this major news event – Sportscasters aren't very good with real news, aren't they? Are they? Right. They really are. I mean, Bob Costas is, and I think, he, but even then, he wasn't. He's gotten a lot better in the you know in the years yeah. since, in the decades. He hasn't aged, but he's gotten ago. better at it. Yeah, he has. He's definitely. Yeah, you're right. He hasn't aged. He looks exactly the same. It's really kind of creepy. But I remember this one guy, as he's 
cutting back or he's talking about the news. He ends the like his little segment before he kicks it back to the anchors. He goes, as Howard Cassell would say, the juice is loose. But I don't think Howard ever meant anything like this. Uh, like that's gosh. that was horrible. Awful. The juice is loose, but he uh, didn't mean anything like this. He might no. have. Yeah, he yeah. might have. I don't know. Yeah, Jury's still out. Who are you to speak for Howard Cosell? We don't know what he huh? meant. He might have been talking about the day OJ ran away from a double homicide in the yeah, Bronco. Threatening to kill himself on the 405. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm like, these guys are terrible with that. And Bob Costas, they're showing him off air talking. And it was kind of funny where he's just like, all right, are we going to kick it to me? I don't think. Oh, yeah. How are we going to segue this? Yeah. This just seems really stupid to give you an update on the score. And then, then you go like, and yeah. you can see he was just very flustered. Like, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. But he actually handled it kind of well. But it also, it really shows you how, as like a people, we react, like we react big when we don't have the info. We're very passionate, very emotional reaction because it was a murder and everybody was saying OJ probably did it. And yet everybody, everybody was like, go, OJ, do whatever you want. Get out of here. We love you, OJ. Like in the streets as the car is coming, people are holding signs. They were on the, yeah, they're on the overpass holding up signs saying, we support OJ, we love you. People were cheering for him. It reminded me of that Prius commercial, that commercial that came on the Super Bowl. By the way, that commercial is really weird. That really bad timing on their Honestly. Four white guys in a Prius. Yeah, Yeah, sure. Keep driving. We'll (laughs) let you go back and forth across America. (laughs) Yeah. After you robbed a bank. Race problems? Not here. I mean, when when people tried to rob a bank in the 30s, they would light them up. Like, are you telling me these guys were able to get into a Prius and then just go, all right, cool, next stop wherever, it's a Prius, it yeah. lasts. And I- the whole thing is that they just have a good gas efficiency. It's yeah. Like they're going to fucking throw out spikes. They will shoot at you. I like how no one's phone died in the process. Too. Nobody's they keep checking dead. their tw- We're trending. Yeah, we're trending. <laughs> I mean... Did- I know the people who make Prius are like they're probably the people like oh we don't think about race. Yeah. You probably should have with this one. Yeah. You know because if they were if there was one black guy in the car they would have shot story. out the tires yeah. real quick. Different story. You better. know that black guy'd be like guys stop checking Twitter. He'd be ducked down the whole fucking <laughs> you would, yeah, time. Yeah. Maybe he was in the car. He might have been. Be he like, might have been. They might have been the whole fucking time. It was pretty hilarious to see that though. But to go back and forth, did you have any thoughts like when it was going back to like Nick's Heat or not not Nick's Heat Nick's Houston I should say uh, the Rockets where you were like. Oh yeah, I forgot. Robert Horry once looked like a young man. Like, <laughs> I kept thinking, God damn, Hakeem Olajuwon was so underrated. Yeah. They were showing some really. He had such a sweet turnaround. Yeah. He was so good on. We're just like, well, look at Ewing with legs. Yeah, uh, Ewing with regular human knees. <laughs> Those the, were the days. Oh man, that must have felt like a century to go to that poor poor man. Oh yeah. He's one of those dudes. They showed him getting off a plane once a few years ago. Where I'm just uh, like, oh, this poor. How was? How is he getting off a plane like Air Force One? Is there not a tarmac? Yeah. What are you guys doing to Honestly, this poor guy? Somewhat lower him. Get the, some pulleys. Lower him down. It was some of that. I mean, his ass might have been like longer than that. I'm getting to the point where I think 2009 was just a couple years ago, and now I realize no, it was like seven years it's ago. It's hard now. to deal with. It really is. Um, yeah, it was uh, Brokaw at one point. Tom Brokaw was he was like the man when it comes to the uh, news anchors in '94. This is his direct quote. He said, "We are dealing with a modern tragedy." Of Shakespearean proportion. <laughs> Touch dramatic there, Tommy boy. Well, I mean, I mean, I get how big and how insane it was to have a guy who was, oh, I just saw him in a commercial. And that's how in the OJ show, uh, Marsha Cross, yeah. she was even like, oh, yeah, he's the guy from these commercials. Like, yeah, she had no yeah. idea who he was. Right. And like, OJ Simpson's a suspect. He's, you know, his wife and this, maybe her lover, his ex wife and lover are found dead, and it's gruesome. It's really gruesome. Yeah. That's another thing I didn't know about what how gruesome it was my yeah. wife was reading about it because she's getting into the show 
and she was saying he was maybe if he would have just did a little bit harder, he would have decapitated her. I, yeah, they, they were close, both they were both almost decapitated. Almost right? decapitated. Yeah, yeah, that is some kind of rage and anger. Which, which I mean, it really like the whole thing. I, I even remember when the you know the verdict was read, all that shit. But it that that night, the reason why that's such a good thirty for thirty is because it really is. It's about a sports icon ruining an amazing night of sports yeah. with his personal behavior and. And no, I don't think anybody missed the game. I don't think in where in my house anyone was like, "Oh, is there a World Cup on any other channel?" Or if anybody was like, "Oh, come on, put the Knicks game back," every everybody really was just like, "What the fuck is going on?" I mean, O.J. Simpson plowing down the five in a Bronco with his gun to his head, all the police chasing him, and all he wants to do is go home, and he might have killed people. Yeah, there was a couple of things that really stuck out. I mean, there's been a lot of things that stuck out, but in particular about the chase was the people following him when they were showing people going to his house and people like going, let's go, you know, they're waving at the camera. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, that was 1994. There wasn't social media. Oh, people yeah. actually would go out. This So this was huge entertainment. Oh yeah. So if you lived in that area, that's so true. people would just run around outside. And even, that wouldn't happen today. Even That's really true as well. If, if you even think about why, why was everybody fixated on this together the truth is because there was no other distraction. Yes. You couldn't you it was like you had you had your TV at this time. There was not like other things to use. You had no other option. It was still amazing, but it was like yeah, there wasn't Netflix it was like a national gelling without having social media. Like everybody was on the same thing, thinking the same shit, but we just didn't have Twitter to sort of you refer went to. You out because you wanted to see people yeah. and tell them things in person that today you would just send your couch and tweet. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. To get your opinion out yeah. there. Uh, and another thing was the negotiator, because in the documentary they play the audio of the nine one one of the police come negotiator. Come on, come on, Juice. Come on, and he Juice. He was just like, "Oh, Jay, too many people love oh, you. Jay, don't do just this. Put Juice. the gun down, Juice. Come on, Juice. Don't do anything. Yeah, he was just basically. Come on, OJ. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, I hope our tactics have evolved to a better place, because <laughs> all he was saying is, "Don't do it. Come on, Juice. Don't do it." And then he tried to Juice. get him by questioning his manager at the end. He goes, "You've been a man in everything you've done in your life. Don't do this. Be Juice. a man now. Think about your children." <laughs> Be a man. You, you know, tomorrow's a better day. I'm just Be thinking, is this his first day? But what a... Wasn't, what? Isn't there a better way besides... It's like the most obvious shit to say to someone. That's what, like, a guy <laughs> says to someone who's on a ledge and be like, hey, don't do it, bud. Don't do it. Don't do it. Shit's gonna hurt. Don't anyone, do it, man. Anyone got anything else to say anyone, to him? I, I just don't, keep saying no. don't do it. What, don't you do it, man. <laughs> don't do it. What's his favorite color? Someone distract him. You know, like... <laughs> Yeah, I just thought like, oh god, it is true. I mean, all that dude says is, "Come on, Juice, don't do, Juice. everybody loves you, Juice. Yeah, Come on, OJ, put my, the gun, put the my gun." My son's down. got your jersey, Juice. Put the gun. My son has your jersey, Juice. I got your Come rookie on, card. It it'll I, be worth nothing. Come on, the naked gun, thirty-three and a third, will be nothing without you, Juice. Come on, Juice. <laughs> Come on, OJ. Oh, I mean, those were good movies, though, huh? Oh movies. God, yeah, they really were. I, I think the hardest I ever saw my dad laugh was when. OJ at the end of the first naked gun goes down the wheelchair and does the big flip. They and hit him on the back. Yeah, that. Ooh, that was a that's a moment in time I remember. My dad loved that. Yeah, I loved it. And when he's getting shot up, oh, yeah. and he's you know he's putting his hand on an iron, yeah, and he steps yeah, on a every, bear claw yeah. that was just set up in the room for some reason. <laughs> that movie. If you've never seen Naked Gun, or Naked Gun Two, or any of the Naked uh, Guns, start dude, with I the Naked Gun. I think they're on Netflix. Yeah. Almost positive. You have to start with the first one. Yeah. It's, they're really incredible. Yeah. Uh, so the Knicks ended up winning that game. So they went up 3-2 in the series. That's another crazy. thing I forgot. Yeah. And then blew it. And blew it. And, and lost to Houston in seven. 
Uh, another thing was in Major League Baseball, their year 94 was a strike year, of course, but the game they showed was the Royals versus Mariners in which Ken Griffey Jr. took David Cohn deep to hit his 30th home run, which at the time set Babe Ruth's record for most home runs by that date. Wow. Which was really incredible because in 94, I think Griffey finished in the fort. Maybe he'd get in the 40s. 41 42. So he was just. He got way out and started slowed down. Yeah. And then I think the season ended by mid August. Totally McGregor. Early August. Yeah. You don't need to. Let's not, I don't want to make a verb from exhausts a great man. himself and is unable to back it up. Called McGregoring. I don't like that. Okay? <laughs> I don't like you turning him into a verb. He's a great man and he looks like he's fun to hang out with, maybe. He, oh, God. You want to hang out with him so bad. I totally do. I like McGregor. Uh, you'd be in his ear all night. I totally would be. I'd be like, Joe, I, for the last fucking time, give me a minute, man. <laughs> I can't be fucking spending my time with you, Joe. <laughs> See, I don't know why I followed your accent with my shit it's accent. good. Stop eh. it. You know, I'm one of those guys where if I'm watching a television show and people are doing the accent TV, I can mimic it if I hear it immediately, but I can't go off of memory. Or I feel like you have the skill where if I said, give me an Indian accent, you could immediately go Of course I can, Joseph. See, exactly. Like, yeah. you know, English or a German. Can you do a German? Yes. You've got a, you need a little time to uh, switch in between the two, but yes. From Indian to German? From Indian to German. Anything to anything else. The German? Yeah. Um, yeah. Just sorry. a little bit. All right. Just remember off. the W's is V's. I've, I've had enough of you. The Volkswagen. I've had enough. You need to stop. Uh, yeah, so it, it was just crazy to see all those events surrounded by the O.J. Simpson trial. Not trial, but the chase. Chase. And what was, I still I, I laughed so hard because Seinfeld did such a good job parodying this, um, doing a parody of this. Oh. Uh, in which Kramer, it was the episode where like his golf Kramer, buddy yeah. did something, and Kramer's driving him. He goes, he just wants to see his fish. Yeah. And because the whole time AC's saying, he just wants to see his mom. Yeah. You know, he's going to kill himself and stuff like that. Fish. Just back off. He just wants to see his fish. And then they're like, and who is this? And then Kramer goes, this is Kramer. You know who you I know am, I damn it. You know who I am, damn it. Yeah. And which is exactly what AC said. They go, who is this? This is AC. You know who I am, god damn it. Yeah. Like, which just made me such, like, that's such a world of a professional athlete. Where it's like his ego is still his alive. ego is still there, despite the <laughs> fact that his best friend is going to blow his brains out yeah, wrote a all over the vinyl note. seats. He has a suicide note. Just <laughs> wants to say bye to mama before he ends it all. Yeah. Um, and then what was crazy? They weren't allowed to use any of that in court. The amount of stuff that was ended miss. I mean, when you really break down why OJ got off, it is. It really is just. It's there's like four. There's four things that led to how he got off, and a lot of it is how much stuff ended up becoming inadmissible. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was With just the so much. stuff and. Yeah, all, all these things that I think would have probably swayed. And the LAPD was under a watchful eye at that era, because that was just oh, a couple sure. short years after the Ronnie well, King. Well, if and... that is, I mean, in a way, though, it, it, it like, it really, it, I don't even think it was super, it was obviously racially divided, but I don't think it was super divisive. I don't feel like it was, you know, but I do think that, for black people at that time, the fact that OJ got off was kind of like, okay, a black person can beat a rap, which yes. you just had not seen in so long. And you still don't see a lot. No, you, really you know, don't. but it, I think that's why, you know, people really gravitated towards that thing because it was just like, you know, he, to see him get off was sort of vindicating in a weird way. And then here know? we are 20 years later where we now just realize, oh, you want to get away with murder? Be rich. Yeah. That's what really it comes down to. Yeah. It's, you know, take away the racial stuff. If Lawyer you have up. money, you get away with stuff. There's that influenza kid in Texas uh. who killed four people, and they were like, well, he's just too rich to know not uh. to kill people, which is really one of the dumbest excuses. 
Well, and then and then I mean that that story that trial takes a weird turn because then they found him they found him what not guilty and then he did something else super fucked yeah, up. Yeah, he did something else him. just recently after that. Yeah, of course. All right, well, um, that's been our review of ESPN's Thirty for Thirty, uh, June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four. We're gonna do that every week. I'm gonna we're gonna break down one with whatever guest comedian we have. Gareth, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Joe, man. thank you for having me. I had me, a buddy. great time laughing yes, along with likewise. you, everyone. Please check out uh, at Reynolds Gareth on Twitter. Listen to the dollop. Uh, check out Idiot Sitter on Comedy Central as yep. well. We want that show to get a second season yep. so Gareth could keep uh, getting his cat cat food. And a toilet seat. Uh, that's incredible. that he's, <laughs> Gareth is training his cat to poop in the toilet it's and pee amazing. in the toilet, and you basically have it done. I'm, I'm like two weeks out from it being done. He's, at this point, he's totally using the toilet. I just need to wait to take the little litter apparatus out, which I'm slowly doing. Oh, that's that's incredible. City Kitty, if anyone's interested. City Kitty. If anyone wants the greatest and weirdest experience of toilet training your cat, get the City Kitty. And um, you'll walk in on your cat peeing in the toilet at some point and be like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize you were in here. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Don't forget to flush. Yeah. But uh, that's awesome. Yeah, so definitely uh, follow Gareth. Oh, I forgot to do this. I wanted to give a shout out to uh, comedian Nate Craig, who uh, brought me to uh, the Los Angeles Kings versus Vancouver Canucks game. You guys know I'm a diehard Blackhawks fan, but I like good hockey, and it was a great game. I was rooting for the Kings. Those Kings are – there's some big boys there. Uh, as a Blackhawks fan, I'm a little worried about them and Dallas. And uh, we'll be talking hockey more as the playoffs come along. I'm going to bring some – Nate Craig's been on the podcast before. Great dude. Great dude. Yeah, we got to see Wisconsin Kopitar guy. go top shelf, baby, where Papa keeps the good liquor. Whoa, nice. hello. Yeah, he's a Wisconsin guy. He's from oh, Madison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we'll have him back on the podcast. There's a few other hockey guys I want to get on. And then I will really dive into the sport of hockey because I feel like I've been ignoring one of my favorite sports. Hockey is my favorite sport to watch live. Uh, Baseball is my favorite sport. I, of course, uh, love football and basketball as well. And I'm getting more into UFC. I'll it's hard to not get not, into I'm UFC. I'm not an expert on UFC. I'm not either, but it's hard not to. It really is. And it took an Irishman to make, to make me do it. You there know? you go. You got me into it. <laughs> Shocker. All right, don't forget to write us those reviews. We really appreciate it. You guys have a good one. Thank you for listening to Comedians Talking Sports.